Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Imagine if you could dry, detangle, style, and volumize your hair all in one step. Well, it's easy with the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush by Conair. Create beautiful blowout styles at home with a powerful 1,000-watt motor for quick drying and easy glide Flexalite bristles for snag-free detangling. Customize styling with three heat settings and use the cool shot to lock in your look. Ionic technology reduces frizz, bonus attachment volumizes your hair, makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for the Not Doctor All-in-One Dryer Brush now. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how's your week been? I'm busy. Very, very busy, Bryce. Thank you. But enjoyable. I'm looking forward to next week, which is going to be even more busy. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear you're having a good time. Um, Manu Vett is also joining Chris and I. Manu, how's your week been? Yes, same. It's only Monday, but it feels like it's already Friday. It's been really busy. Uh, we'll talk about that, as Chris said, we'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, we have so many previews go up right now. And uh, um, it's it's always always Monday. is always the day when you set up everything for the week. So it's been crazy busy. But looking forward to a good chat about the Bundesliga. You guys are always busy, aren't you? Especially when it comes to European midweek games uh, and whatnot. So, um. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later and have plenty to talk about. But, um, guys, let's... Uh, well, on the last pod, we were talking about um, Bayern Munich and they were going to be facing uh, Leipzig uh, twice. Uh, once uh, midweek uh, in the uh, Cup and then in the Bundesliga. So let's uh, let's jump into that. That was a hot topic last week. And, uh, yeah, I feel we need to touch on the 180 minutes uh, or so. But... Um, yeah, well, I, I must say the midweek game and followed by the uh, then the uh, Bundesliga game didn't quite go a Leipzig's way. We'll talk about the Pokal game uh, first. Um, Chris, we'll go to you first. Um, a little unlucky for um, for Leipzig, I feel uh, midweek they they played rather well, but um, it, it wasn't to be their night. No, it wasn't. Um, first of all. I think they were unlucky to lose um, Naby Keita. I don't really know if the second yellow is a yellow. I'm still not for sure. But the referee said it was, so, you know, they lost a player. But then I think the tables were turned with a penalty. For me, anyway, I think Manu may disagree. But for me, that was, you know, never a penalty. Um, And they took full advantage of it. I thought it was a really good game. Uh, And I think we spoke earlier, didn't we, um, 
earlier on in the week before the game when we spoke on the last podcast how we thought this one might go the distance and it did go the distance and um you know, no one's ever seen German football before, and this is the first time that they're tuning into the podcast, and that was the first game they've seen. Um, yes, that's pretty much what the penalties are like week in, week out. They're that clinical. Some of the best penalties I've seen in um, a couple of weeks, I would think there, Bryce. They were a brilliant set of penalties. Um, and it was a it was an equal game in the end, but I just feel that if um, Leipzig hadn't have gone down um, to the, you know, to the sending off, if Cater would have stayed on, I think, I think... They just would have had them on this occasion. Um, the sending off definitely benefited uh, Bayern Munich. And, and in the end, their experience told in the penalty shootout. Um, yeah, but the, if anyone was going to miss a penalty, I wouldn't have put it down to Timo Werner. And it was a dreadful penalty. I think we spoke at the time, and I didn't. I, I said, why is he, he must have seen every penalty that was taken and you know, seen that the goalkeeper dived to the goalkeeper's left every single time and all the Leipzig guys went straight down the middle goal 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 and then Timo Werner steps up and almost sides foots it to the you know right hand side as he's looking or the keeper's left and it's uh it's an easy save in the end for um Tom Stark and I don't know sorry for um Ulrich I don't know why he did that I'm still baffled by that now Manu to be honest why he went the way that the goalkeeper went and unfortunately that that's I think that's a little bit of inexperience but I suppose on the end, Bayern did what Bayern do and, you know, were very clinical when it came to the penalties. Yeah, Bayern are Bayern. Um, I think that I'm with you 100% and that I think that Leipzig would have taken this game had they not gone down a man. And I think that maybe Kate, um, the, the sending on was really harsh. But on the other hand, you know, if he's a bit more experienced, maybe he doesn't doesn't take down Lewandowski. Um, you know, it's a tactical foul and referees, unfortunately, are quick to give a yellow card for those. And Lewandowski is very good in selling it too, isn't he? Um, the penalty that Leipzig got, oh, there we have a word for that uh, in German, Chris. It's called a Konzessionentscheidung. Um, it's a concession given for the fact that the, he took the penalty back in the first half, uh, I don't know if that was the, what was going on in the referee's head, but I actually agree it was a soft penalty for Leipzig. So maybe that was karma. Uh, the penalties themselves, that's just how, you know, when you have top players, they, they, you get top penalties. Um, but Timo Werner, I don't know. Uh, it's one, one German commentator said, you know, if Ulreich jumps the other way and the ball just rolls into the net, they would have said it was a cool penalty. Um, this way it was a soft penalty because Ulreich um, called him, called the bluff. Uh, I I think it's, it's a funny when I saw Werner step up, I had this feeling that that will be the one that's um, going to be missed. Just It was just a gut feeling. And I think it's because of all the things that have been going on with Timo Werner in recent, the recent couple of weeks, you know, with the, the injury that he sustained that took him out of the game in uh, Istanbul um, that has been nagging him for quite some time and it's a complicated one right and um he has not been really up to full speed and when you when you read trying to regain your form and try to regain your confidence um sometimes you know a penalty at that stage is a tough one and i guess he showed nerves and um 
tragic hero, I guess, in the end. But it's it's really too bad because um, you know, the game I think a game deserved something better than an ending like that. It was just such an amazing, thrilling game and I, I would have loved to see it finished with eleven against eleven. Yo, we talk about um, Navigator getting sent off uh, in this game. Uh, Chris, he seems to be making it a, a bit of a, a habit of his now. Um, you, you said that you don't believe that he he should have been off. Uh, no, I mean, Manu said it. It was a bit of a tactical foul, and sometimes you need to do that for the team. But I think if you're already on a yellow card, you you don't really want to put yourself in that position where you you ultimately give the authority to the referee to send you off because you know we're not talking um it, we're not talking a big gap we're talking a few minutes between his first and second yellow card so although it's a bit of a soft one the referee's obviously thinking you only got a card a few minutes ago and you've done it again you, you've done a yellow card offense bang you're off whereas i think if there's a bigger distance if that's you know midway through the second half um or a little bit further on sorry um, towards the back end of the second half i don't think he's going to go because the referees have that thinking space but i think that's a little bit of um a little bit of naivety there that He's obviously seen, I need to do this without thinking, and that will come with a little bit more experience. Don't forget, he's, you know, he had last season really at the very top level um, for him to grow into. I, I don't think he's got a, I don't think he's got a discipline problem as such. So if you look at what he's been sent off for lately, um, you know, the high foot, okay, they're given, they're not given. Um, he was sent off for his country, for Guinea, um, and that was a nothing sending off for me. I still don't think it was a sending off. Um, for now, it was a an overreaction to, I suppose, I think it was arm in the face, but but there was very little contact. Um, so it's not like he's going around two-footing or kicking or losing his head, you know, getting red mist going in front of his eyes. Um, and, you know, obviously we all know he's moving to Liverpool, and that's exactly what Liverpool need at the minute. They need somebody with a bit of go about them in their midfield. So, I don't think he's going to change his game. And, and Manu and I chatted after this because I wasn't 100% sure, but it's just an oddity of German football that Naby Keita will never see that suspension, really, unless he goes back to Germany. So he'll be suspended for the next Pokal game, for mm-hmm. uh, which will be, well, will be next season now for um, RB Leipzig. And obviously Keita won't be there. So uh, Manu, you said something happened similar with Vidal. He had to wait yeah. a few years. And um, I think I remember Pogba's first game back for Manchester United. He had a suspension, even yeah. though he'd left for Juventus a few years earlier. So it'll be kept on the books should he go back to Germany at some point. You know, and this is actually a cue right there for me. Um, I did an article right after this game about Arturo Vidal and the the art of brutalism. Um, and I think that Vidal, he is... That's maybe we know where experience comes in and the experience that Keita is lacking. Arturo Vidal, everyone always jokes about how he's a walking yellow card. But he's a player who gets away with so much. And people say, well, he plays for Bayern as the Bayern bonus and all that kind of stuff. But he just knows how to get away with stuff, right? It's it's experience. He's very, very good at that. He's very good at disrupting the opposition with the play he does. And he's always borderline illegal, oftentimes a, a across the border right and it's just i i think that's when you when you compare the two bayern and this is actually good comparison for bayern and leipzig where they are right now um especially at this cup game you have one like someone like vidal at bayern who at this point should have been probably sent off uh, i actually think the foul against forsberg in the in the first half you know the one that was a penalty and then not given uh, and the 
said the referee decided on a free kick. That's a two-footed challenge from behind. That's a red card for a lot of referees. But he just gets away with this kind of stuff. And you almost see that as the difference between the two teams right now when you look at them. I mean, we're going to talk about the league game in a moment. But we look at the two teams and what makes the difference. It's Bayern, I think that Bayern on the field, Leipzig are younger and they're more talented and maybe even have some, have the better players right now, but Bayern have this experience. They have someone like Arturo Vidal and then they have a hard head coach like your Pinkus. Notice how when Keita went off, two minutes later, Pinkus subs, subbed uh, Vidal off. It's like, well, I'm not going to lose my, my, my superiority in this match. I'm going to take Vidal off now because he's done his job. And I think that is just such a difference maker when you, when you look at, the comparison between the two sides. And also when you look at Keita as an individual of where he needs to maybe look um, around the league in how to get better because where he plays, he has to have a little bit of a nasty edge. Um, and someone like Vidal is actually a perfect example of how you do it. We're talking about uh, suspensions. Um, l- let's speak a little bit about uh, Ragnik. Uh, he had a bit of a, uh, speaking to the referee, didn't he? Um, at, at halftime, Manu, you you were mentioning this that he, he spoke to uh, he spoke to him, uh, showed him a clip on his on his phone about the sending off, and and then there was a a slight delay in the kick off of the second half. Yeah, there, there was trouble in inside the stadium. Apparently, um, I love this kind of stuff. I think that's that's part of football, isn't it? But uh, Rangnick walked up to. Uh, Felix Zweier with a cell phone in his hand and re-showed him the replay of the uh, Arturo Vidal foul. And I think it's not because of the not given penalty, but rather because I think he wanted a red card there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty cool from, the, from Rangnick to do it. Uh, I, is it unfair? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's Leipzig at home. They have the home advantage and you have to, I guess, use whatever whatever you can. And He's going to get suspended for, for what he did, uh, rightfully so. But it's still, you know, it's the kind of stories that you want in football. It's, it adds to it. And I think Mats Hummels, uh, gave him a really good talking to basically shoved him away right away. He's like, what are you doing? Um, so it's, it's an interesting one. And I, I, I'm curious to see what kind of suspension the DFB will cook up for Ralf Rangnick. Yeah, most certainly. We'll have to wait and see what happens uh, exactly there. But, uh, Chris, let, let's move on to the second game, then the league game, the, the late kickoff on Saturday. We've seen uh, Bayern Munich at home on this occasion taking on RB Leipzig. Um, as I mentioned earlier, things didn't quite go RB Leipzig's way once again. Uh, we've seen another sending off after only 13 minutes, and then uh, Bayern going on to win 2-0. Um what was your take on this? Uh, just a bit of a deja vu sending off, and it ruined the time. Um, yeah, I mean, we, you can't say it ruins the time. It's a red card offence. It's a red card offence. Referees in a, a, a no-win situation, but um, it, in essence, ended the game quite early on, didn't it? And almost, almost a copycat of the fixture we saw last season, where Forsberg went off really early, and that pretty much killed the game. Then, um, and and if you're going to go a man down inside, what the first. Um, few moments, or not few moments, but you know, the first inside the first fifteen minutes, in essence, of the game going off on thirteen minutes, you're going to be a, an uphill battle um, away at the Allianz for any side, no matter how good you are, and for a team that's um, as good as Leipzig, it's always going to be a challenge. And um, there's a little bit of a rotation, slight rotation um, for Leipzig, and I think it's only to be expected. They're a young side, and they've got a very small squad still. 
um, and they're playing on on a lot of fronts. Pokal, what were Pokal, um, Bundesliga, and obviously the Champions League. So they have to keep the rotations, keep the team fresh, because obviously you know, they had midweek game, um, weekend game, and then midweek game again. And that's something we've talked about at great length. That it's going to be a real learning curve for them this season. Um, and yeah, I think if they could have played anybody on Saturday, sorry, anybody on this weekend after playing Bayern for the full distance and going for penalties, it wouldn't be Bayern you want to play again. And um, yeah, Bayern's dominance again just shone through and I think it was pretty evident from that 13 minute on that it was going to be a bit of an uphill battle for for Leipzig. But, you know, they did well second half. Um, it could have been a lot more. It didn't. But once again, you're thinking if they've got 11 players on the pitch, you know, can they draw that game or can they sneak one late on? Manu, would you say that this is a big win for uh, Bayern in, in getting them back into the title race and also trying to smooth over the early issues that they had uh, in the season? It's great for confidence. But then there's always the question mark. We don't know how this game would have gone without a red card. And I still don't think like that Bayern were tested yet under your pankers. Um, well, it was a test for them, I guess, on Wednesday. Uh, Leipzig really did take it to them, and um, that would have been, you know, over 90 minutes, that would have been two points lost for Bayern. Uh, as it was, they, they advanced. But I think that there wasn't really, hasn't been a really good test um, for your Palmkes in, in the league since he's taken over, or actually in really in the Champions League either. You know, uh, no disrespect to Celtic, but I don't think that's the standard that Bayern are expecting to be um, playing at. So I think it's it's an interesting one that, you know, Heinkes has been able to stabilize this Bayern side. He has been able to get the confidence back into this Bayern side. He has been able to, um, you know, get the results that everyone would expect them to get. And I think that is a positive, but it's 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 too bad that we we didn't get to see um, Leipzig play full strength because I think it, it would have been a very different game. Um, you know, tactically it was it was very difficult because they had to take off Timo Werner really very early on, um, and then it didn't even matter that Bayern had to that Bayern lost Lewandowski right in close close towards the end of the the first half. Um, I would have been very curious to see how this game would have ended under different circumstances. So. I think we're still waiting for that side that's going to test uh, Heinkes, um and see whether Bayern are really, you know, back to old Bayern or whether they're just, you know, running on a, on a results against weaker oppositions and a couple of results that really, you know, they were really fortunate in, in one way or another. Because without the VER, and this is something you have to keep in mind, without VER, Orban would not have been sent off. The initial decision was was not even a sending off. And um, it was VAR that decided that, you know, it was Orban was going to get the red card. So it's just, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one that we, I guess, still have to wait and see. The judgment is still out. Yeah, most certainly. But I suppose for Heinkes and for Bayern, uh, it, it's a good thing to uh, maybe have these no disrespect to anyone, but uh, to have these uh, lesser games, wouldn't say that necessarily about RB Leipzig, but with 10 men, it, it becomes a bit of a, an easier game for them so they can kind of uh, get things going well, on their behalf. Well, Bryce, I think when you look at the two games, um, I think 
there's a huge difference between what happened in the second game and the first game, right? In the, in the second, in the first game, Kata's sending off wasn't in, until the 54th minute. Now, in, in sending off in the 54th minute has a, a lot lesser impact than Sule. What was Sule sent off? Fourth minute, I believe, right, Chris? It's very early on. Um, well, uh, on, Orban. on the weekend. Yeah, on the weekend. Orban was Orban, yeah, 13 minutes. Yeah, so that is, you know, you lose your key centre-back defender. Um, that's that's a way bigger impact than losing a midfielder, you know, almost two-thirds through a game. And I think that looking at the two games, you will actually get a much better picture of where Bayern are at from the first game rather than the second game. But, but you would probably say um, after 90 minutes, you're drawing with uh, RB Leipzig and then beating RB Leipzig, even with a man less. I mean, they're they're just they're doing a bit of a job. I mean, so I suppose a few weeks ago, you would have uh, almost predicted that they wouldn't have been able to get the job done. That's what I'm trying to say. And I suppose mm. it's um, it, it allows a little bit of time for a just to come in and maybe uh, Establish his ways again with any of the players that are lesser familiar, and I, and I, I get the impression that he's going to be able to do that against uh, Celtic uh, midweek as well. Again, no disrespect to them, but it'll be more practice um, ahead of that big game against Dortmund. Um, guys, uh, well, we just look at the Champions League uh, ever so slightly, uh, and, and maybe speak um, more so about RB Leipzig. So, so they're going to be playing uh, Porto this week. Uh, I suppose with the big games, as you mentioned, Chris, um, there's been sending offs against uh, or or against Bayern Munich on uh, a few occasions uh, here, and we've seen them fall apart at the end of last season against them. Is it a little bit of immaturity, um, or or just in having a young side, you know, coming up against these big uh, experienced sides that said they're proving to struggle? And how do you see them getting on against Porto midweek? Uh, I think they will um, do quite well. Um, again, you know, they won 3-2 last time out, so they've got that maiden victory under their belt, which I think a lot of teams struggle sometimes in the Champions League to, you know, well, we need a win, we need our first win. They've got they've got that. Um, it's whether they can the travel. For me, this whole Champions League campaign for Leipzig is there's no pressure. It's their first time ever in Europe. It's their first time ever in the Champions League. There's very little pressure. They just need to go there and and have the experience that they need to gain, um, you know, a wider experience in Champions League to play in it um, season after season. No one's expecting them to make the quarterfinals. No one's expecting them to, you know, go even further than that. It gets to the final. There's no pressure. So for them to go to Porto, who, you know, aren't the strongest of oppositions they could have um, been away to on this match day. So I think they've got a good chance and they will want to right some wrongs in their own mind. I'm pretty sure that like the rest of us, they'll thought that they could have beaten Bayern um, in the Pokal game. And they'll probably think they could have beaten them if it was a level playing field, 11 versus 11 on the weekend as well. So I'm sure they will harness all that frustration and put it into action this match day. I, I, I pretty much think they'll grind out a 1-0 victory um, away against Porto midweek. Nice, and for German football's sake, I hope you're right as well. Um, Manu, do you see anything but uh, a rather large scoreline in the Bayern game, just before we move past that? Ooh. <laughs> um, Celtic Park is not an easy place to play at, even if you're Bayern. I think... Uh, as Barcelona found out the other yeah, season. Yeah, Barcelona found that out. It can, I mean, Chris, you're very fortunate to go, go to Celtic Park. I'm, I'm very jealous. 
<laughs> it's one of those stadiums that I, I would like to experience the atmosphere. And it's one of those really big historic um, grounds in European football, isn't it? And Celtic are, of course, you know, Scottish football is not what it used to be, but Celtic, um, they're still, you know, it's the standard bearer of Scottish football and they are an uncomfortable side to play at, especially in Scotland at Glasgow. So I do think that Bayern are going to win. And I think that, um, a Bayern are going to have an impressive performance, but I do not think it's going to be a high scoreline. Um, you know, I think, really one zero two zero victory that would that be probably they'd be probably very happy with that job done you know uh move on because just go back and watch what celtic did to barcelona a few years ago and it's an it's a ground where the where th if things don't go right for you right away the the atmosphere and the crowd um, will be firing up those boys in green and um, it will make it very hard for any visiting side. So, you know, Bayern need to buggle in, get the job done quickly um, and um, just get the result and move on. Right, so I'm really looking forward to this. As Manu said, I'm going to be there. I've never been to um, Parkhead Celtic Park before. Uh, so I am really looking forward to this. The fact that Bayern Munich are going to be there as well. You're going to make it an extra special occasion, obviously, in their reporting a football grad, um, that's why we're there to cover the Bayern side. But yeah, Manu's right. They they took Celtic apart. They've given teams really good games up there. Manchester City got themselves in a game. If Bayern go and think, okay, these are the champions of the um, Scottish Premier League, what's that? Um, I don't think Bayern are that naive to go to um, Celtic Park and to take their eye off the ball because it is the sort of place they could get turned over. And Manu's quite right. It will be bouncing in there on Tuesday night, and I cannot wait to go there. Um, I'm the same opinion of Manu, though. I think it will be a very professional buy-in display, and, and it may be a 1 or 2 nil at max, but if they're not on top of their game, if they go there maybe a little tired after the um, two back-to-backs games against Leipzig, if they're not on the top of their game, they could find themselves on um, on the wrong end of a draw or, you know, maybe even a defeat. I, I can't see it, but it all depends how, how Bayern play, and if there's if they give Celtic an inch, they'll take a yard. Mm. Yeah, very well put. Celtic coming off the back of a one-all draw to Kilmarnock on Saturday. Though, in fairness, they may have been rotating their squad. I just don't know. But anyway, we're going to move on to... Uh, oh, actually, Bryce, maybe before we move on, the one thing that we needed to discuss about Bayern is the, the Robert Lewandowski injury. That's right. He did come off on Saturday injured, didn't he? Picked up a bit of a knock. Uh, do we know the severity of that uh, at the moment? And he has come out and said that he's a little bit concerned about playing up top on his own all the time because Bayern don't really have, well, don't really have a number two out and out striker, do they? Yeah, they, they know they don't. And he's not going to play um, at Celtic Park on on Wednesday. So. You know, he's going to miss that game. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but, um, the, these, the story I got was that that's, it's muscle issues. So, um, that's usually when you do play too much. He's now 29, right? He's turning 30, uh, early next year, I believe. And that's when you get into that, you know, when, when your body starts picking up the injuries and he's, he's been saying, it's like, look, I've, I've been playing Saturday. When midweek, weekend, midweek, midweek, weekend, um, basically for now, 
his entire career because he usually Dortmund he didn't really have a backup either and now at Bayern there is no backup for him either and when he when he plays for Poland 90 minutes every game as well right so he's just saying it's it's getting a bit much and um I get that I mean we were joking like what kind of player does not want to play every game 90 minutes but you know at, at 30 I guess you're getting into that age now where you have to kind of um, be a bit more economical about the playing time. And um, Bayern don't actually know who's going to play up front. There, there has been talk that Robin and Koeman are going to play up front as a, a two strikers. Um, I've also seen the suggestion of Thiago as a false nine. Um, all of these guys are not strikers, right, Chris? And it really shows you that that is an area where Bayern really need to do something. Yeah, they do. You know, not only will um, Lewandowski be out, obviously Neuer is out, we know, um, but no Ribéry and Muller either. So it, it'll be a it'll be a tough game for them, and that's why if they don't, if they're not one hundred percent on the level, they could find themselves on the wrong end of a bit of a surprise um, a surprise result there. And and you know, Celtic will be giving it a pretty strong side, especially um, if you look at their their forward line. They'll have Scott Sinclair, who has been um, on a different planet up in Scotland, a real come out of his shell and he's settled really well at Celtic with Brendan Rodgers. So they could find themselves in a game if they're not a hundred percent. And just looking around at, you know, who could go there, where are those goals going to come from? Looking at, looking at the team possibility as it stands at the moment, I mean, take out Hummels as an aerial threat, but it's, it's looking at Robin is really going to be the main threat. If I was you know on the Celtic um, coaching staff, who would it be looking? You'd be looking at, well, um, Hummels and Robin are the main threats. And can Vidal do most of the work on his midfield on his own with his younger partners? I'm not so sure. So that's why I think, and Manu's quite right, I think it'll be a really tight game and Bayern could find themselves in a right battle. Just an added layer to the story, eh? Uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. And as we said, Chris will be up there uh, reporting uh, and if you want to stay in touch, go over to Twitter at Football Grand Live. But guys, yeah, let's move on to uh, Borussia Dortmund. They've had a little bit of a trouble uh, patch, haven't they? Uh, and Chris, I feel we need to uh, go to you on this. Um, obviously, uh, a team close to your heart. Uh, what exactly has been going on? I mean, we, we've seen at the weekend them take on Hanover, who have been a bit of a surprise package um, after being promoted uh, last season, but uh, they fell to them 4-2 away from home. Uh, things didn't quite go their way, and they they seem to be in a bit of a rut, do they not? Yeah, it's not particularly good viewing at the moment. Um, apart from the uh, midweek game uh, in the Pokal where they looked very good, but they were playing Madeberg, so you can um, you can see why. But the last few weeks, they're certainly not the team we saw early on, are they winning um, 4-1, 5-0, etc. Um, all started to come undone, I think, for me, just around about that time where they went to Wembley. I was there when they were at Wembley, and they played okay against Tottenham under majority of possession, but were picked off, and they seem to have stumbled from then on. And we talked last week, didn't we, how Dortmund could be the real big winners of this match day with Bayern and Leipzig going head-to-head um, in such a short space twice. And uh, unfortunately for Dortmund, they, they they were one of the big losers. They've lost their top spot to Bayern. They've gone down 4-2 away at Hanover. It's this. It's the system, and it's the, it's the way Bosch is playing. And I have read... 
around today a calls maybe it needs changing but this is a system he wants to do and he said you know he said on appointment and he said it very recently that they're going to lose a few before they um, get themselves into a run but I am a little disappointed that it's not seeming to go too good everybody's getting wise on this um, high line um, high press so they're they're playing around that and they look vulnerable when they're um, when they're dragged wide, they, they can look vulnerable going down the middle um, with teams attacking them. It's it's a little problem. A, a lot of blame's been put on Berkey's shoulders. Um, you know, I'm sure Manu will chat whether he's a goalkeeper or not. With Manu being a goalkeeper, he's got a bit of an insight in there. But he's making a few mistakes. But you know, what do you do? You know, do you cut him down and and replace him? We've seen it done before. We've seen it done at Dortmund before when they're having their extremely bad patch the other um, couple of seasons. They found themselves the wrong end of the table. You know, can the goalkeeper be changed? Uh, what does it do for the rest of the squad? How does that confidence then build? But yeah, you're right. They're they're in a very big rut at the moment. Um, and this is a really crucial week for them. We saw them drop points away at Applewell Nicosia of all places. I don't think anybody expected that. And it's going to take something big to lift the spirits uh, around the side of the ground. It's going to take a lot to lift the spirits for the media in the area. Who, you know, I think it was today's kicker, Manu. Um, there was a few questions about Peter Bosch in it as well. So, I think it's going to take a massive result for the midweek to lift the cloud that's over there at the moment. But we're only a few weeks into a new manager's tenure, so I wouldn't judge it too hard. But if you're just on the outside looking in at the moment, it doesn't look very good. And I think that's been exasperated by you know what is a hammering in Hanover. Yeah, really not good at all. Um, let's just, uh, before we talk about uh, Bosca a little bit more, um, Manu, you... you um, you had a lot to say about uh, Berkey. You you think the high line that uh, Bosco is, is playing um, really requires a, a rather rapid, um, almost sweeper style uh, goalkeeper, like like we see the likes of uh, Neuer do, and and rightfully so. It was, it was when Neuer was not in that Bayern Munich side, it's it's a massive loss. Not just because he's a world class uh, shot stopper, uh, but because he can come off that line so quickly. Uh, you reckon that Berkey doesn't quite have this attribute, and and that's the downfall. But is, is this? Is this the main reason that they're dropping points at the moment? No, it's not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons. I think it's, I hate blaming keepers because it's so easy to do, isn't it? But um, I actually think that Roman Berkey is a good keeper, but I don't think he's the right keeper for this style of football. Um, I think that he is not he is not a playing keeper. He's not the the keeper that Dortmund need for the system. Um, they need someone like Manuel Neuer or, you know, um, Marc-André Terstegen. At Ajax, they had André Onanana, um, the, who, who likes to play very far out of his box, is very good um, with his feet. Now, um, Dortmund don't have a keeper like that. You know, the, the, if you drop Berkey, you put in Weidenfeller and then you go back to the goalkeeping Stone Ages. Um, that's just not an alternative so you have you have to have to deal with what they got either Berkey is going to learn to play in the system and um, learn how to play further up um, deal with that room that you create when you play with that high line a very high defensive line and you know Bayern for years showed how you play with that high defensive line and then when Neuer got injured when Ulreich came in keeper who doesn't know how to do it um, you saw the, the vulnerability 
that that creates, right? And Dortmund are finding themselves in that. But it's two things too, you know, if the defense um, lacks the aggressiveness in a lot of times to play with this kind of high line, if you play with a high line like that, you can't give um, escort services to your to the attacking guys, you know, like and Socrates has been guilty of that many times, as have been the, the left back and the right back, where they basically have been escorting uh, players rather than tracking them down when it comes to that long ball that, that teams like to play into the attacking third and basically um, unhinge Dortmund, right? And that is something that they have to learn. So it's really two things. It's the, the, the keeper needs to be more aggressive playing out. And when Berkey, Berkey caused the, the penalty, but he was also partly to blame for Sakatu's red card because that was actually a play. In that kind of play, Manuel Neuer would have been all the way outside of his box and gotten that ball, right? Berkey, you can see, watch the replay. He comes out, he hesitates, and then Sagadu commits the foul and it's a red card. And that, that is just, um, something that they have to figure out. Is Berkey the right keeper for the system? I personally don't think so. And that's, that's really too bad. Um, they've renewed his contract and maybe they might still have to look for another keeper. They will have to anyways, because Weidenfeller is going to retire. And, you know, you hear names like Timo Horn and Kevin Trapp and, I don't think those are the keepers that can play that system either. You know, they, it's just not, Manu, yeah. Do, do you see them going and uh, trying to go hard for Andre Unana? You know, that and I actually, it was one of the names you mentioned that mm. can actually play that style. Do, do you think in January or the summer that they'll go big on that? And do you, do you feel that that is the most important signing that they could make right now to get a keeper of that style? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, or maybe someone to just have, to pressure Burke a little bit as well. Just another very good keeper in that system, a young keeper. You know, Onanar would be, I don't say that's the guy that they should go and sign, but he's a 21 year old, really talented keeper. And that's the category that they should be looking at, right? And he plays for Ajax and he plays in that style. So that is a keeper. Um, another one who's, who gets popped often associated with Dortmund is Sion's keeper, Anton Mitrushkin, a young Russian keeper uh, who plays in Switzerland. And Switzerland has been, the goalkeeping mecca uh, in recent years. Very good keepers come out of that country. Um, goal, goalkeepers that can also play football. So that's another one that, you know, I would keep an eye on. But, um, Dortmund are very loyal to this, their players. And, uh, the Dortmund fans are very loyal to their players. You often see them where any kind of criticism right away gets shut down and uh, with the, the, the Dortmund brass, right? But it's, that is just an obvious one for me. Um, if you look, look at, one of the factors, and I'm not saying it's the factor, it's just one of the factors. I mean, Chris, we talked also about the lack of aggressiveness, the fact that they don't press all the time. The system means that you have to run, outrun your opponents every game all the time, right? Uh, you have to track back really hard. And that is that is maybe the other factor that's really lacking in Dortmund's game right now. Yeah, they. I, I think you're right. I think there's also a lot of underconfidence going around that team and they seem to be a team that once they're flying, they're flying, and, and when they're not, they're down, and there's no in-between at the moment, and that's something they're going to have to learn. Um, I'd be interested to see if you know Dortmund could offer Karius a way out of Liverpool, who's not particularly um, fitted in um, under Klopp. He's not started as many games as he should have done. You know, he's, he's very rarely playing in the Premier League. He's only getting out in, in the Cup games, but he's a keeper that can play with his feet, um, and I think he would be suited to a return to the Bundesliga 
Uh, obviously, they went after him a few years ago. I think it's 2015, 2016. They were um, trying to go after him along with Arsenal at the same time. Um, but yeah, it's. I really think they could have done with keeping Dembele for an extra season. Um, and I know they wanted to. And that's come out in the, in the press this week. They did want him for another season. Um, obviously, he wasn't prepared to do that. I just think that's there's a big hole in this team at the moment, and it's a um, Usama Dembele shaped hole. Yeah, that maybe gets us to the next topic, doesn't it? To Aubameyang, who has been a ghost, and I I think he's carrying a knock. Um, you saw midweek, Isaac. I thought Isaac was very good against Magdeburg. Yes, it's Magdeburg, but you know they're second in in Liga Drei, and you still have to go there and be as decisive as they were. And I thought he was very good. And I think, you know, um, when Alba Meyang is not in form, he it disappears completely. And he did in this game. And I almost wonder if they would have been better served playing the young Swedish striker, uh, give him a chance because he would have been more aggressive. He would have been, you know, he really would have wanted to show, show a point as well, prove a point. And I think that would have been maybe the better option in this game. I mean, we, we've been thinking he's been carrying a, a knock for a while, hasn't he? He was in mm. way back against Freiburg earlier on in the season. I think we thought he was carrying a knock then, and I don't, he's certainly not been as prolific um, as he would have been. And I tried to keep a good eye on him when he came out of Wembley, but there was no evident sign of a massive limp or someone that had taken a knock. He, he just looked a, a bit down and had a slight hobble. But he... Um, He's one of those guys, and we say it all the time. He looks a little bit out of sorts, and then all of a sudden he looks up with a you know a hat trick or a brace. So I I get the feeling he's more than anyone is missing Osama Dembele because you look back and Dembele was um, involved in thirty four goals last season, and um, you know Abamyang could be argued got round about twenty eight of those goals he was involved in. So I think he might be missing his mate. Yeah, maybe. Chris, if we just talk about the next two games then uh, for Dortmund, uh, you're with uh, Apple Nicosia midweek. Um, obviously, the Champions League uh, campaign hasn't really went as planned. I mean, you know, the three of us all thought that uh, Dortmund would have done a, a little bit better. But then even the game after, they're going to be playing uh, Bayern Munich. Um, if they were to, to suffer losses in these games or fail to win them both, uh, how much uh, of an issue is that um, going ahead with the rest of the season? It, it's, is this alarm bells ringing or, or do you still think it's early days? Well, the good news is, is that they're 10 games in and they're second. Um, they're three points behind uh, leaders Bayern. That's the, I suppose that's the, the worst of the, of the good news. If you look back, you know, they were top of the table and I think they are five points clear and, and really they shouldn't be giving that up to now be, you know, three points behind Bayern. That's a, that's a shift of, of eight points in, you know, a few match days, which is concerning. Um, I think they're going to be helped by the fact that their next game this week is at home to Apple Nicosia. So there will be an expectation that that game um, is a rout. Um, and I think if it's one or two nil, it will be looked upon as a bit of a disappointment. Dortmund have the ability in the Champions League at home to put teams to bed and put them to the sword. Um, and then I think they will be relatively happy that they're playing Bayern um, at Signal Iduna Park. They're not having to travel um, to the Allianz Arena. They're going to get them in their own backyard. 
um, you know, with the yellow wall, uh, vociferous as they are against games against Bayern. In fact, all four sides of the grounds will be very loud in that game. And if there is any, uh, if there is any silver lining to their bad form they're in at the moment, they've got two good home opportunities to to kick themselves out of it. And um, you know, Manu said already that Bayern haven't really had the sternest of tests. They could have faced that against Leipzig, but they went down twice um, and were playing against ten men. So this. Um, this fixture on match day 11 on the 4th of November could be a real test, the first real test for the new Bayern. And it could be an opportunity for Dortmund to drag themselves back into a toe-to-toe race of Bayern. Yeah, most certainly. It's going to be a very entertaining game, I'm sure, as always, that is uh, taking part again this weekend. Guys, I feel, though, uh, we've, talk, we've talked about some of the bigger sides. Let's talk about Hanover. I mean, th- that was a fantastic result for them. And they've done, well, they've done a lot better than anyone would have expected, uh, I feel, this season. And th- they've now pushed up to fourth. Uh, Manu, I, I feel like we deserve to sing their praises a little bit. Yeah, um, absolutely. Hanover are where I sort of expected Stuttgart and uh you know, Stuttgart were great in this match day, but, you know, Stuttgart didn't defeat Borussia Dortmund for two. They beat, they beat Freiburg, so there's that. I think that Hannover have been very good. Um, I, I think they are probably the biggest surprise package uh, at this stage of the season. Their striker, Elas Bebu, um, maybe the most exciting, one of the most exciting players in the league right now. Very young striker from Togo, you know, made his way into Germany, um, played various youth teams before uh, making a market for Tuna Düsseldorf, um, whose academy he's come from. And then, uh, of course, made the transfer from Hano- to Hannover and sort of a transfer that we didn't really have on the radar when it happened. And uh, he is, he's a stellar player. He's a fantastic player. Um, really a difference maker. And he was great in this game, but it's not just him. I mean, uh, Jonathan, the, Brazilian striker with a sign from Ruben Kazan. He's a very good player as well. Um, their entire system is just very well put together. Andre Breitenreiter, um, who lost his job at Schalke for not, you know, you know, for not being considered, um, tactical enough, um, is really putting together a, a fantastic side there in Hannover. And, you know, I think they are on a very good way, on a very good path towards, um, staying in the league, but it's, it's, they're doing it by really good fashion. And it'd be really curious to see how long they can keep this run going because, you know, the longer they keep it going, I, I could see them do something similar than Freiburg did last season. It's just, it's just fantastic. And it's also the way they played. It's just, it's good football to watch. I mean, this, they took this game to Dortmund. You know, they were not afraid. Um, they conceded two goals against Dortmund. Usually, if you're a promoted side and you concede two goals against one of the big boys, that's it. You're done. And then they scored four goals. Um, just incredible. Really, really good stuff from them. Bryce, I'm, I'm with Manu. I'm completely shocked that they are where they are. I, um, I'm going to say the misfortune. I had the misfortune of going to watch them in the 2015-16 season when they had three managing the season and they were rock bottom from match day 18 all the way along to match day 34. And they were dreadful. Um, I saw them in the last game, second to last game, sorry, against Hoffenheim where they were beaten. And although it was only 1-0, it could have been about, um, honestly, it could have been about 10 or 12-0. They were dreadful. Um, so when they were promoted this season after you know the season out in um, Bundesliga 2, I had thoughts that they would be round about 
somewhere 12th to 16th this season. The fact that they're now fourth and playing some really good football, which is a polar opposite than when I saw them two seasons ago. Um, I'm just shocked. And like Manu, I, I thought that it would be Stuttgart, which would be the, the big one of the two who would impress more. Um, and I think I've been put rightly in my place. Although that said, the, the, the way the table is, so Stuttgart, they are in 12th, which just doesn't sound great, but they are only five points behind fourth. The table is tight. It's really tight. When you look at it right now, there is a group of teams in the very bottom we're going to talk about in a minute um, that seem to be go- probably going to be stuck there for the rest of the season. But I would say from about 14th up, um, it can change so dramatically within two or three match days. It's it's compact. It really is compact. This includes and unlike other seasons, the, the very top teams as well, because, you know, they all dropped points already. It's, it's a very compact table at the moment. Yeah, very much is. And both the sides, uh, mentions have uh, done very well, I must say. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I have to put a question to you guys. What is the biggest, uh, shock this season? How well Hanover have been? doing uh, so far, um, how well Tedesco at Schalke has done, or the fact that Leverkusen are on top of the league, which is the biggest shock? Um, I'm going to say how poor Kelowna, right, I'm going to go with my own. Oh, that, that's a shame. I was thinking Manu would have come in and said something about Leverkusen. But, oh, but you uh, know, Leverkusen are, they're eighth now, one win will carry them to fourth, right? Yeah. And that's we'll that. They, they've come off a poor start, but they have been very impressive the last two match days. Very impressive, and they actually, uh, you know, I'm, of course, I'm trying to um, cover up my mishap of saying that they're really a title challenger, but actually, they have been playing some of the best football in the recent weeks in German in Germany. You know, they took Klapper apart five one, and they, they looked very good in this match day as well. And I think that's that's something that we can't ignore. And they have one of these really young explosive sides um, and they don't play in Europe. They can basically relax um, during this week and um, the top teams are going to take points from each other again. Leipzig at Hannover, so that's uh, third against fourth and Dortmund are playing Bayern, that's first against second. So there will be points dropped and Leverkusen are going to Augsburg. So, you know, they can close the gap. Same with Schalke. I mean, Schalke could be the big winner of next match day. You know, if the results go their way, Schalke could end up third or fourth. Um, maybe okay. even, maybe okay. even second. Okay. Maybe even second. That's how tight it is right now. You're, you're making a convincing argument. Okay. <laughs> but all I'll say is that Osberg, a team that you're not the biggest fan of, have been better than expected this year. So it's it's still a tough test for them. That's coming up uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're going to go back to Chris's point, and I, I think a very valid point, um, talking about Cologne. And I, I think all of us are a bit surprised and a bit disappointed because uh, Cologne were enjoyable to watch last year. They've got a, a great um, home spirit, don't they? And, uh, and they, they do things a little bit differently, but it's been a shocking season for them uh, so far. And, um, yeah, it continued this week as well. But uh, Bremen are, are also down there struggling. Uh, Bremen have chosen not to uh, hold on to their coach. Uh, it has been uh, relieved of his position, while Stuger has stayed. Chris, um, 
what do you think? Do, do you think Bremen made the right choice in changing the coach while uh, Cologne went ahead and, and just swapped the uh, sporting director? Or or do you think it's more steadies the ship at Cologne? What, what's your opinion? Well, I think you've got to do whatever's right for your club at that particular time. Um, I didn't think that we'd be in a Absteve camp already, 10 games in, but I think we are. Um, I think we know two um, who are going to be chased um, by the ghost a little bit later, but them two are definitely in a battle um, now. Um, and yes, no surprise that Nori's gone. Uh, they've been a little bit toothless, haven't they, in, in the games? And I saw them way back on match day one and I uh, thought they were pretty toothless in that, to be honest. And not much has changed. So um, it's what you do what's right for your club. Obviously, they decided that Alexander Nori isn't the one to be carrying on with, whereas Colonna decided that, you know, Peter Stoga is the guy they want to be um, concentrating on and the sporting director wasn't particularly happy about that and whatever the backgrounds were behind it. And they've chosen to um, release him from his duty. So... I personally think this is the right choice for them. Um, I think they've made it on a really crucial point, uh, a really crucial time of the season, pretty much a third in. Um, if it's not going well and you're second for bottom and you're a third in, it's time to make a change. Um, I may think that Cologne will probably make the same sort of decision if we are in this place this time in six to seven weeks. So, um, when Manu is in Germany and when I will be out in Germany, hopefully a very snowy Freiburg, uh, if Cologne are still rock bottom, um, then I think um, Bittersdoger will be looking for a job in the new year. I'm not so sure about that. I think that they might actually go with him into Bundesliga too. Um, they, the CEO of the club has come out and said that um, all the contracts are good in the set in, in Bundesliga too as well. So all the players would have to stay. They have made quite a lot of money in recent years. So they could do a Freiburg and just say, well, I guess going down is part of the development and we'll just uh, hang on and use the foundation that we have built in, in Bundesliga and uh, try again. Um, some teams in Germany do that sometimes, you know, especially the ones that are better run because, you know, Going down to the Bundesliga, you have to remember it's 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 eighteen, eighteen clubs in both leagues. Um, it's not like in England where you have twenty and twenty two, right, or twenty four actually, right? It's twenty four in, in in the whatever they call the second division in England. And I think sometimes teams make that choice and say, "Well, we'll keep going with what we have because it's the coaching isn't the problem; it's the way the squad was put together." And Schmatke rightfully lost his job for that. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they would keep going with, with Stöger, even if they do go down. With Bremen, Bremen has been, I have so many problems with Bremen. I think it's, uh, I, I actually always enjoyed that club quite a bit when I grew up. That was one of the big German sides and they, the current management or the, the management that has been in charge now for so many years has really managed to, um, sink that ship, you know, to use the Hanseatic. Um, expression because you look at Nuri isn't, isn't, is the tip of the iceberg for me. I would fire every single person who is associated to Werder Bremen right now. That entire Werder Familie, as they call it, because they only always hire within that, that circle of people that have been associated to, for, to Bremen in one way or another for a long time. It's rotten to the core. They need to completely sort out the entire system, you know, everything from sporting director to the CEO 
to the Aufsichtsrat, you know, the, the members of the board, they all need to go because they're just going to hire within again. And then the system is going to keep going. When was the last time that they produced any good youth player? It's a long time. And it's because they, they always look inwards rather than outwards. Well, guess what, Werder? Football has moved on in the last 12 years and you have not gone with it because you only always stay within your own soup. You don't, you don't, um, you haven't really refreshed the, the club. And I think as long as they don't do that, it doesn't matter who's becoming the next uh, manager at Werder because the next guy is going to face all the same issues that Werder Bremen are facing right now. Because of the of Baumann, because of um, Bode was the 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 CEO, and uh, I, I think um, you know the, the a lot of the board members date all the way back to the early 1990s. They're all still there, and they're all still making decisions. And I think that needs to be completely overhauled. Clubs need that, right, Chris? I mean, every you need to overhaul your club because if you don't bring in fresh blood, you you you're not going to go with time. Yeah, that's completely right. They do need an overhaul. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to file that Manu under the scathing, um, under the scathing folder, because that was a scathing review of Werder Bremen, but a very honest one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just too bad, you know, because we all remember the, the 1990s and the 2000s where they were not just a big German team. They were a big European side. Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah, consistently in the European competitions. Yeah, I mean, Manu, you obviously spoke about Nuri uh, quite a bit, uh, not just uh, right now, but you spoke about him uh, in the last few weeks, or maybe even further. And uh, I had the choice of uh, tuning in to see them play. I was work uh, over the weekend, and they were so bad. They, like, something had to change, as you were saying. And I think it goes even beyond the coach. Uh, but uh, let's see what uh, they can muster up or Werder. But they definitely need to change something quickly because Cologne have actually scored more goals than them now. And I think that says a lot. Guys, um, is there anything that you would like to cover that we haven't covered already? Um, if not, then we'll move on uh, to our shout-outs. And I'm sure you guys will have plenty to draw people's attentions to. Let's go to you first, Chris. Uh, yes, yeah, so as previously mentioned, um, I am at Celtic Park for uh, Celtic Bayern on Tuesday for um, Football Stat, who obviously are part of the Football Grad Live Network. Um, not only that, I am then um, I've got to get in the car and drive from Glasgow, Glasgow to Liverpool because uh, I'm at Anfield for Liverpool Maribor for Football Grad, um, and then hopefully still sweating on an email because it's it's only Monday and accreditation is um, is the slowest of communications for every football club across Europe. Um, I'm hoping to be at the Emirates for um, Arsenal Red Star Belgrade on Thursday. So, yeah, a bit of a busy week. So just keep your eye on the Twitter feed and uh, footballstat.com and footballcrowd.com. Yes, plenty going on with those midweek games. Manu, I can only imagine that you've got a lot that you would like uh, to draw people's attention to as well. Yeah, speaking of those games, those previews are up. The Champions League previews are up. Europa League will be going up on Tuesday, so shortly after this part is out. And um yeah, I'm getting getting ready, as Chris said. Um, I'm going over to Germany in two weeks, and I'll be there for a full two months covering all sorts of games. Um Hopefully, Chris and I will be covering some games together. I guess we'll, we'll have to see that. It all depends on accreditation. It's, as Chris said, it's the slowest of communication. But yeah, that will be coming your way. Um, the hashtag football grad on tour. So that will be all of November, December, and some of January. You might even get a gig impressing uh, 
tour as well, I suppose. Um, well, we'll hope that you, we, we hope that you can come out and join us, right, I'm, Bryce? I'm, yeah, I'm Bryce, we will, if you come out, we'll have a gig and present tour. You are, I'd hate to say to listeners that you're letting the side down by not coming out to Germany, potentially, but I'll just throw that grenade in. <laughs> wow. Talk about adding pressure, right? Um, I will do my best. I don't want to let the side down. But yes, let's get beyond that and see what I can uh, muster up. Uh, it would be very exciting to reunite once again. But um, that more or less uh, does it for this week. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 And yeah, I hope you all enjoy the midweek games, which Football Grad will be uh, covering, uh, well, extensively especially with uh, chris out and about but uh, guys if you've enjoyed the podcast uh, please uh, head over to the likes of uh, itunes uh, give us uh, some positive feedback or uh, you know a five-star review or whatever needs to be done eh? we really appreciate that um otherwise enjoy the games and the big game of the weekend baron versus borussia dortmund until then i'll be in Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.